This week on WealthTrack, why the do-it-yourself retirement system is failing the vast majority of Americans. Two retirement experts discuss policy solutions and personal ones next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, a Leg Mason company, Miller Value Funds, Royce and Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. There is a retirement crisis in this country. It is becoming more apparent as 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 every day. A recent Wells Fargo survey found that more than eight in 10 current retirees fund their retirement primarily with social security or a pension. Just 5% do so from personal savings, such as an IRA or 401k. Seven in 10 retirees say they would have no idea what they would do without social security. Contrast them with younger generations who expect savings to be the top source of their funding. 45% of millennials say they must rely on IRAs or 401ks, and only 25% expect to rely on Social Security or a pension. Now, everyone talks about income inequality, but there is persistent extreme retirement inequality, and it's getting worse for the lowest earning workers. Workers in the top 20% of earnings distribution have held about half of all retirement wealth between 1992 and 2010, whereas the share in the bottom 20% fell to 1% from 3% in the 20-year period. And the percentage of those without any savings among the bottom earners increased to 51% from 45% over the 20-year period. No matter what income group you look at, savings makes a huge difference. The top 10% of savers in all income groups from the highest to the lowest consistently held 10 to 20 times the retirement wealth of the bottom 10% of savers. Well, what has caused the retirement crisis and are there policy and personal solutions to fix it? We have two retirement experts with us. Teresa Gilarducci is professor of economics at the New School for Social Research, where she is director of the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis and the Retirement Equity Lab, which researches the causes and consequences of the retirement crisis. Gilarducci is co-author with former WealthTrack guest Tony James of Rescuing Retirement, a plan to guarantee retirement security for all Americans. Jamie Hopkins is director of retirement research at Carson Wealth and finance professor of practice at Creighton University College of Business. Hopkins is a frequent WealthTrack guest and is an expert on retirement income and author of Rewirement, Rewiring the Way You Think About Retirement. I began the discussion by asking Gil Reducci why so many retirees and people approaching retirement are in such poor financial shape. Let me just um, paint the picture with numbers. Yeah. Um, so, so imagine the group of people approaching retirement, and they're about middle class, lower middle class, upper middle class, but you know, in that range of about 80% of the population. So I look at that population, 50 to 64, kind of pre-retirement, and I um, count all the money they have. You know, I don't know how much they have in their couch, but I know how much they have in their retirement right. accounts. I know how much debt. I know um, how much they have um, in their home equity. I take all that wealth, and then I project out what they can live on. 
adding in the Social Security, adding in the value of, of Medicare. And I find out that over 50% of people who are now middle class, um, who are working now approaching retirement, will be poor or near poor adults. So I just wanted to wow. get the magnitude around that so many. Right. It, it's the majority of middle class people will be downwardly mobile. First of all, that's important politically. Mm -hmm. Because we know what fuels a populist reaction is feeling like you don't have any hope anymore and that things are getting worse. Mm -hmm. why, why they are there is because they've lived through uh, an experiment in this country that we started about 30, 40 years ago, and I call it the do-it-yourself experiment. We backed away from employers providing a defined benefit plan. We backed away from Social Security by cutting benefits in 1983 mm -hmm. that would work its way through its system over this group's lifetime. And now the boomers are hitting retirement with this weakened Social Security system, this retirement system based on employment that has fallen apart and left with really very flimsy and fragile 401ks or disappearing IRAs, and they're left with shame with a finger wagging at them, telling them, hey, you had that whole career to save for yourself, it's your fault. So you're coming into a whole cohort, a whole generational cohort of people who are downwardly mobile, um, who have been failed by the system, feel like they failed the system. Right. And I'm worried about their lifestyle, sure. their living conditions, and also their political reaction. Yep. And so, you know, Jamie, you're working with a group where, with financial advisors. So they're clearly people who go to financial advisors have the wherewithal. They've got some assets where they need financial help. And, you know, are, are, are you seeing, you know, how do you view the picture that, uh, that Teresa just portrayed where it's, where the system is, the retirement system is failing? When you look at the whole country, I'm in agreement with Teresa, right? Right. That there's, you know, and she said about half. I always think in thirds with this. So I think about two thirds of people are insignificant, right? Kind of restraints when they head into retirement, and you see right. that from just Social Security data, right? That says about two thirds of all Americans, right? Social Security is more than half their income. For mm -hmm. a third, it's almost all of it. Yes. So then, typically, when you're saying if you're teaching advisors how to take care of clients, we're mostly teaching them how to take care of that top third who did maybe have a stronger pension or a stronger 401k at their employer or came from a background of wealth also. So they were taught more literacy around how to save, how to invest, and were able to kind of start those behaviors at a young age. And that's the thing that's really scary about a lot of the retirement crisis or data is that there's no easy fix within like a five-year time period, uh -huh. right? Because this all accumulates over a lifetime. So if you get somebody at 60, and they haven't accumulated wealth, right? It's very hard now to fix that because we miss the long, high earning years of your life. Right. But what we're trying to really do in the advisory world is you know, just empower people to make more educated decisions. So what we'd like to see that in the future is that that education is starting at younger ages. So you are engaging people in college and high school right out of college with some type of advice, with some type of literacy and education. So they can, in a system that's mostly do it yourself today, as it was mentioned, that 
that they actually have the knowledge and empowerment to go out and improve their lives. And so I'm going to try to be very positive outlooking there, and I right. think things are getting better uh, in some of the younger generations with more technology and apps and access and, you know, some fees going down. We now see zero-cost trading and zero-cost mutual funds. And there's benefits and drawbacks, actually, to getting fees at zero. Uh, mm -hmm. But generally, I, I think it's still a positive trend. Right. So, so why is the, the voluntary system fatally flawed? What, you know, what, what's gone wrong with it? Because, you know, if you have an IRA or you have a 401k, I mean, you know, if, if you, you know, saved as, and, you know, took advantage of the compounding over time and everything else that Jamie's talking about, which some people have done, mm -hmm. but why is it, is it failing most Americans? Because um, human beings are flawed, and they've always been flawed. They'll continue to be flawed. They'll so it's be, not just the so system that's flawed. It's yeah. human beings yeah. are yeah. flawed. Yeah. We so, have to yeah. compensate right. for that, right? Yeah. No, I mean, we should build a system for flawed human beings. Mm -hmm. And what our, my research has shown is that if people get to retirement age and they're okay, it's usually because they've been in a well-designed system. Mm -hmm. uh, um, they've been lucky that they've kept their jobs, so they didn't drain their 401k or their IRA. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's their own decisions and, and pamphlets help them, but sometimes it's just the industry they're in. And they got lucky that they weren't laid off or they didn't have to move. They were lucky they didn't get a divorce. Mm -hmm. They were lucky that they didn't have um, a health shock. People in the bottom half of the income distribution have about four shocks that tends to affect their retirement savings or any other savings. Wow. And People, the shocks, so such so, yeah, as some of the, you know, most of them are job shocks. Job shocks. Most of them are job. I thought it would be divorce and illnesses, but it's right. more, it's more job shocks. Right. Um, a 10 year period where you've had no increase in wages, where inflation kind of nicked it down. Mm -hmm. So you were told with your financial pamphlet, you should save more, mm -hmm. but in fact, their real incomes adjusted for inflation were falling. Um, sometimes you were laid off, but sometimes your hours were just cut back. Right. You know, so you have a lot of professors and people who do these spreadsheet models tell you that if you auto-enroll and you auto-escalate and you take this pamphlet to heart, you learned it in fourth grade, that you can do pretty well. Mm -hmm. But that really depends upon having a, a consistent Continuity. job history. And that makes a huge difference. So you you've done this, you miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Let's say you work for Delta Airlines, one of the best 401k um, systems in the world, mm -hmm. but you work there for about 10 years, which is about average, and you hit what we call a, a shoot, mm -hmm. you know, that you fall down and you're, and you're lost for about six months. You take only half of your money out of your 401k. You start also mm -hmm. in a down market or, or actually a, a, a market where Assets are pretty high. Yeah, assets are high. Yeah, then and, it's yeah, yeah that yeah, has a right. huge impact. It's yeah. just and, and that's and, just luck. And what, and right. And what so it's just timing, but it has nothing to do with you. With you, it's timing right. of what's going on in the in the market. And so the financial crisis mm -hmm. would have hit. So yeah. we've had ten years really, um, and you know, it'd be ten years ago or whatever when the financial crisis hit. So this, it, it's that's even. Uh, was had a worse impact, right? It made their situation worse. Yeah, no, we're actually yeah. looking at the fragility of people who are now in their 50s, what will happen right. in the next in the next, next recession. recession. It's right. coming, it's coming. <laughs> um, and we're, we're finding out that the same mistakes that happened last time, the same problems, is that they're gonna lose their jobs, mm -hmm. and right when they shouldn't, 
is when they take money out of their 401k yeah. because they have to pay a, a yeah, they have mortgage. Yeah. So you call that yeah. leakage, right? I call that leakage, um, but it's also because it, it, rational. Because, right, right. I mean, even if you get penalized by 10% or whatever it is to take it out of an IRA before you're, you should, you know, you're saying, well, gee, I need the money, so I'm I'm willing to take that risk and I'll make it up later. To keep which, my house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which you probably never do. Yeah, and that's one of the things. You never do. Yeah. yeah. And, but it is one of, the, one of the things too, right? People usually say that's irrational, right? And that's exactly. a lot of research. It's like, there's this irrational behavior. You're like, but it's not irrational. Uh, yeah. It's that they're making a different decision based on their situation at that point yeah. than you would like academically in a spreadsheet to do, but you have to. And it actually makes sense, right? That's how our brain works, right? We make those short-term decisions because we have to stay alive and move forward, right? right. If we don't do yeah. those things, it doesn't matter in 30 years because if we're not alive, because we didn't make the today decision, right? It, so we do tend to prioritize today's events over future events, right? And it would make sense. Yeah. But we have a system that's designed for people to take money out at the pos at the worst possible mm -hmm. time. I see. So you, you sell low. Right. And then you get your job back and you start saving in your 401k. Well, the whole economy is now expanding, so you're buying high. Mm -hmm. So we have a system forcing people to have liquid assets. Right that they can buy and sell, even though they're supposed to be saving long-term. Mm -hmm. And we have a system where they're forced to um, sell low when they're in financial problems and then start buying in when they sell high. And that system is flawed. Right. We shouldn't have retirement savings in short-term assets. We shouldn't have retirement savings um, that also um, work as emergency savings. We should have retirement savings that set aside, invested well by professionals, um, and there for the long term. So we should really pass laws that prevent people from taking retirement money out before retirement. Mm -hmm. No other country does it like we do. Mm -hmm. We know the 10% penalty doesn't work. We know it because the federal government counts on people paying the penalty. They actually put that in the budget and expect to, to oh, really? spend it. Right. So we should plug right. that up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the record for having the government mandate a funded tier on top of Social Security. And I firmly believe, even though Americans don't like government telling them what to do, they do like the government providing Social Security. Sure. They yeah. do like the government providing unemployment insurance, worker compensation. Um, they will accept a government program that efficiently takes care of their insurance needs. And so I think we are in a moment I'll be hopeful, where in a bipartisan way, I think we're going to see those kinds of programs. Right, and that plan is in your book, Rescuing Retirement. That's right, it. exactly. So, J Jamie, you're working with the system that exists now. Yes. <laughs> so, at any rate, so, you know, what, what can work? Some things are basics, right? If we're going back to, I do think that literacy needs to improve a lot. Mm -hmm. um, literacy is not the big driver, as was said. You know, there's a lot of just luck in turning out well financially, but we still know literacy has positive planning outcomes. Um, investing back into yourself, I think that's a very important mm -hmm. thing because that actually allows you, and a lot of times, to move from job to job. So even if the industry, your hours get cut back, there is some ability to do that. So how do you invest back in yourself? Yeah, what are you so, talking about? So that's even things as simple as networking. So there's a lot of data that's also shown that being a consistent networker and staying involved like in your trade association, industry associations, as you age, 
age, those individuals have actually been able to move jobs better than the ones that kind of start backing off of that as they age. Mm -hmm. And so finding oh. employment again in your 50s or 60s, if you are right falling behind, hours are getting cut back, or your industry is changing, it's right. very important at that point to actually be able to continue employment. Because one of the things that has a huge driver on retirement security outcomes is typically working like one year longer. Right? It is so powerful if you can stay in the workforce one additional year for a lot of reasons. Right, You're not withdrawing from assets for another year. You reduce actually down slightly the impact of inflation because mm -hmm. now you've made it one more year. Healthcare costs to some degree depending on your employer. Right, it's not that's not uniform, but it can be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Getting another year of social security deferral if you know if you don't have to then be forced into taking benefits early. So that's one thing we've you know kind of continued to press on people, especially with longevity, right? right? It's the longer we can defer out social security, really the better off those individuals facing true longevity risk, which I've started to not I like know. to say longevity risk, because it's actually a great thing. Oh, you is. get no, to live like a, a long time, right? right? But it's really a risk exacerbator, right? because right? right. it makes everything else more challenging, right? If I get to retirement, I'm only going to live for 10 years. Well, that's a lot easier to fund than the person who retires at 62 and lives to 97. Mm -hmm. That's a very tough time period to fund because you might not even have worked 35 years, and yet you have to now generate income for 35 years right. while not working. You're very reliant on Social Security. You're very reliant on Medicare, right? And probably if you end up with long-term care, you know, you're going to have some reliance on Medicaid, especially mm -hmm. in today's system. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure pressure on those systems today too mm -hmm. for funding, right? Cutbacks in certain areas. So when we kind of talk to people about their planning, some of that is understanding the flexibility that your plan needs. Mm -hmm. Because I typically describe retirement income planning like trying to hit a moving target in the wind, right? The target's your goals, what you want to spend, how you want to live retirement. And it's moving because we have really no idea how long a single individual is going to live. And then the wind is all the stuff that pushes us off course. And there will be tax law changes. There will be Medicare and Social Security And what changes. Teresa was talking about, just stuff yeah. happens. Yeah. Where, but yeah. this notion of older workers working longer, now you've addressed that. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like a great idea, but what's yeah. the reality or what can so, be the reality? So Jamie, I really wanted to talk to you about this. We have numbers fresh off the computer <laughs> um, that shows that the spreadsheet models that show that working longer really helps people isn't for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so on the spreadsheet, it looks like if you work maybe one or two years longer, then you can defer Social Security and you get that extra Social Security benefit. And that, that's a benefit, yeah. you, as long yeah. as you can defer. But it turns out that people don't. They don't that defer they, they don't defer, that they mm -hmm. work and they also collect Social Security at the same time because wages are so low for, low, for um, older workers. Um, the average salary, yearly salary for full-time um, workers between 62 and 70 is $25,000 a year. And I forced my research assistant to go back and look at the code. Yeah. We looked at every line of code right. to make sure. And that makes sense. They're in home health care. Mm -hmm. Old ladies are taking even care of older ladies. Mm -hmm. They're in food service. They're in service work. Even if you are a professional, even a professional electrician or something, yeah. and you are working, you're working at a lower, lower end. I'm wondering this. Mm -hmm. The best system we have for people is Social Security. It's a lifetime annuity. It's indexed for inflation. You don't have to worry if you're going to live to a 97. Yeah. So the best thing we can do right now with the system we have is get people 
to collect Social Security as late as they can. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because you get All 8% right. Percent, right, additional Social Security benefit well, a year starting at what 67, age? 67. 67. Yeah, full your, retirement age. Your full retirement age. Which for, is now 67. For and, about, right, and so if you, if you deferred until... Yeah. 70 or whatever. So you get 8% per right, year. But if right, you wait between 62 more. and 67, I'm going to emphasize this because okay. most people collect at 62. right around, yeah, they're both, they're collecting between 63 and 64. I see. So everybody hear me. Everybody hear me. Just wait even six more months a year from 62 to 67, you get 7.75% return. Guaranteed. You can't get that guarantee right, right. Anywhere, anywhere on the else. planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, this is what I want, want to know, do financial planners actually advise people to spend down their money to delay collecting? To defer Social Security? Yeah, so I would actually say do that they? it's probably one of the, actually the largest retirement income strategies that advisors stick to today. They do? How it's, it's still- and, and So that's a good thing, yeah, right? It's a yeah, good thing, right. but, but the challenge is what- really. <laughs> No, but I'll tell you the challenge is that behavior of the individual, so advisors don't control the claiming decision, right? Yeah, but so they can influence they, it. And they do, and I would say pretty much every financial planning model and advisor that I've ever worked with, um, we actually, teach that research to the advisors that you should actually spend down other assets to defer Social Security. Actually, we, very little data will show that the biggest drivers for your financial success are your returns or your investment decisions. It, it's There's very little data that shows that. It's do you work with a fiduciary? Or do you get exactly. lucky on bad events, health, losing yeah. job? Those are all the things that really drive. Now, Social Security, right, is, I often say it's the best and most official financial instrument in the world. And I 100% believe that. Because um, when I go to people, I say, how are you going to get a better product elsewhere? Does, mm, how, much right. does, how much does Social Security spend on marketing? How yep. much do they spend on R&D? How much do they spend on sales? They don't have that big overhead. And 94%, I think, of the working population today pays into Social Security. Yes. Right. Now, here's a different way to think about Social Security as a benefit, right? A lot of people tell me, I've got a great 401k plan. Yeah. My company yeah. puts in 5%. So, yeah. Social Security. You know what your employer, if you're working for an employer, puts in just the Social Security, yeah, right? 6.2. 6. 6. Yeah, 6.2. 6. 6. 6.2. Yep, 6.2 percent. Uh -huh. Yeah, for, for Medicare. Medicare right? Yeah. So your employer wow. is contributing a lot more uh -huh. to, to your Social Security, and and at minimum, it's worth about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And depending upon your family situation, how long you live, it could be worth up to six and seven hundred. Right. As if you had that amount of yeah. cash in and the bank, no, generating income or right, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So the one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, we always ask someone for some advice or one thing we should do or one thing we should own, what would it be? Yeah, and this is some research uh, that I have been citing lately. Roger Ibertson uh, looks at really replacing bond portfolios mm -hmm. with fixed indexed annuities. Okay. Now, now, bond portfolios are not, number one, the returns are very low right now. Yes. Is that why? Uh, well, so, yeah, and actually what the research has found is that the type of index portfolios that are there today have actually outperformed what bond ladders generally would have done over the last 90 years. Really? That's yeah. the longevity, you get the longevity. Yeah, and because you can have an income rider on it and those, and so actually replacing that portion of your portfolio with another, right, very well rated, right, 
instrument, right? It's really kind of an insurance. It is actually an insurance instrument. Right. Can it's an help in, it's fixed annuity. indexed annuity. So, so what? It, what is that exactly? So, really, what it does is from the, yeah, it can become very complicated. Okay. But from the client's perspective, when you're looking at it, what it allows you to do is have typically a zero percent floor, so you can't lose money mm -hmm. from year to year. But it will give you kind of an increase in your benefit based off some index. So mm -hmm. typically S and P or inflation, you can yeah. add riders to. Right. And that essentially gives you kind of a, a a wavelength of where you can bounce to. Now, historically, that's outperformed bonds, and especially today with bond rates so low, um, CD rates so low, people are searching for where is that safer investment. Sure. So I'm not entirely in but, the market. But it but it ends when you die. Uh, if you have an yeah. income rider on it, yeah. yes, th those would yeah. end when you die. Um, so if you're using the income rider, you also get lifetime income. You build an additional floor of income. And so we see benefits of having floored lifetime income, right? And that's the same thing as Social Security doing. But I would also point out this, that the first annuity or income source we should buy is a deferral of Social Security. Exactly. Me too. Right, okay, That's gotcha. It. And so your one investment or one action would be to? To defer, do whatever you can to defer Social Security collection. And only 5% of people do uh, wait till 70. 70, yeah. It's and, incredibly and difficult so that, to if, do. If we could join arms together and just tell everyone to do whatever they can, um, which is like live, you know, live very meagerly mm -hmm. just to bring yourself another six years closer. Right. All right, Teresa Gilarducci, thank you so much for sure. coming on Wealth Track. It's delighted to meet you, and we'll have you on again, I know. And Jamie, we've had you on several yeah. times, and you, this will happen again. Yeah. So Jamie Hopkins, thank you so much for joining yeah. us, too. Thank you. Thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is have a plan to save regularly. Gilarducci's compelling research showed that no matter what the income group, from highest to lowest, the top 10% of savers consistently held 10 to 20 times the retirement wealth of the bottom 10% of savers. Having an automatic savings plan out of your paycheck before you even see it can make a huge difference to retirement security. Next week, our exclusive annual outlook with Ed Hyman, Wall Street's record-breaking number one economist, and Matthew McLennan, global value manager extraordinaire. In this week's extra feature, Gilarducci and Hopkins reveal their very personal reasons for specializing in retirement research and security. Please share your input with us on Facebook, Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel. Thanks for spending time with us. Have a super weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.